Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Audrey, it is another Wednesday night in front of us, and we've got one heck of a show to give to our listeners tonight. I'm very excited about this. I feel very honored that we can be on the air every Wednesday night to talk about some of the cool stories that are happening here in Pittsburgh, despite all the craziness that we are all going through right now. Just saying. Craziness? It's not that crazy, is it? I think it is. I think we're all, we're all forced to do things different in, in crazy, fun, cool ways, though. Like we have our, We are still doing our higher up event. We're doing it virtually, of course, mm-hmm. that we had to flip around real fast to make happen because there's a need out there. It's kind of weird, Audrey, because like you hear that like all these folks are being laid off, like unemployment's like at 15%, which is just horrifying. Yet we have all these tech members that are looking for talent right now at the same time. It hasn't changed, it hasn't changed particularly if in there in such a wide range of industries, like you can go from, you know, people who are in health uh, systems, uh, technology, medical devices, some of the things that they've been working on are things that the world still needs and people are still willing to place bets on. So that piece is really, really exciting. Now, obviously, if you're in financial technology and you've been in retail, tricky times, right? Because what is, what is the deal in terms of retail? What is the new world of restaurants and point of sales and, and all those other systems when usage just starts to drop? Exactly. So, yeah, these are, these are, what are they, what is, these are the best of times and these are the worst of times. Something like that. And we're trying to make the best of it because we have our virtual hire up, Audrey, that's happening on May 27th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. So whoever's listening, just think about this. You can be doing, you can be working from anywhere. Or if you're interested in being in Pittsburgh in a place that has, you know, really a totally different style of life from the urban kind of density, but you still get a metro area feel. This is a great place to be. And, you know, just in terms of, you know, temperament of the community, it's a very cohesive place. So, you know, if you know people that have been thinking about what it's like to come back to Pittsburgh or want to work with a Pittsburgh-based firm, but mm-hmm. might be able to work remotely until they figure out what their migration plan might be. These are really good opportunities. So yeah. you can go on to, what's the website, Jonathan? Go to our pghtech.org and under our events little tab so on it'll the top. Higher up. It is, yeah. And it, it, it's free to attend this and it's from you know 11 until 3 on the 27th. So there's a right. whole you need to register. You need to register, though. But what's cool, Audrey, I mean, look at some of the companies that are hiring right now. This is what makes me feel yeah, like... who are they? Yeah, so, I mean, we're talking, like, Amazon and Astrobotic. 
I mean, BNY Mellon, um, Carnegie Mellon Software Engineering Institute, CGI, Highmark, Giant Eagle, uh, Federated, Dollar Bank, Lucas Systems. I mean, the, the, the names keep going on. I think we have about probably 40 employers here in Pittsburgh that are, you know, high-tech employers. I that know, that's, that's great. So, I mean, we do have to be cognizant of the fact that the world has definitely been bifurcated. Technology and innovation are certainly places where people can leverage being able to work from home. Yep. And listen, working from home isn't all it's cracked up to be for everyone, no. uh, particularly if you're a parent of children. I can only imagine. Or, I would or of like you and I who have yes. dogs who think, why, now that you're home all day, you are a servant. Um, you a dog servant now, Audrey. Yeah, I'm a dog servant. <laughs> and then some people are cat um, servants, although cats are different. Cats want you to leave. Yeah, and cats are better. Than home all day. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, Dogs are like you're home all day. That means I give you an assignment every time I wake up. <laughs> so it's really, it's really just some interesting times. What assignments are you getting in the morning from Gracie? Yeah, I'm getting assignments. Like, I don't really like that. I'm looking for something else to eat. I prefer that. I'm going to cover my food up because you don't get me and you're home all day. Like I said, Audrey, it's the best of times and the worst of times, right? <laughs> a lot, a lot to be thankful for, though. A lot to be thankful for, for, you know, the people who have worked on the front lines and the fact that Allegheny County has done such a good job in terms of you know, having impact of um, very, very different levels than the eastern part of the state. Why we're in the and, yellow and they're not, right? Well, I think the other thing is, is that I've been pretty excited on our daily business as usual Zoom calls, which we have every day Definitely. at noon. I've been very um, excited by the amount of information that we've been able to provide the community, but also really woken up to how we treat our elderly and our vulnerable. Yeah. And I'm not proud of that. And so I've been trying to figure out some ways that we can, as a tech community, be helpful right. and try to solve some, some of these difficult problems, because that's where most of the outbreaks have occurred. And then as a result, they've sort of replicated throughout the community. Yeah. So I'm, I have wishes that this virus would um, teach us some things. I, I have wishes that, that people could feel safe and that people could, aren't suffering. And I am amazed by the amount of innovation that is still occurring Agreed. because it gives me hope. And so we have a chance to talk to some people on the show today that are, their businesses are doing very well and their businesses are, you know, both in the raw materials, which is, you know, part of Pittsburgh's sort of heritage as well as a company that's built to solve problems around, you know, the FDA which hopefully there are more products that come to market. That's the hope, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we get a chance to talk to a very seasoned uh, virologist, postdoc virologist who's been on the show before. So I'm happy, I'm happy about all this. Absolutely. That's Andy Walsh from Health Monitoring. Glad to have him back to give us more insight as to what's going on. You mentioned before, Audrey, we have Komatsu stopping by, which I am really excited about. I mean, they're actually using automation now in mining, which is just exciting to me. And they're being more efficient. And they're doing that a lot of Pittsburgh. And of course, we have the guys from RIMSYS stopping by, and they're helping companies navigate the FDA process to help get some of these things to market faster and more efficiently. Pittsburgh has got a ton to be proud of. We're still trying to kick butt 
no matter what. Simple as that. So uh, we're taking a quick break. We've got so much fun tech vibe coming our way. I can't wait to hang out with you and tell some of these great, fun, awesome stories. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. We're from the Pittsburgh Tech Council. That is true. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Hang right in there. We'll be right on back. It's another Wednesday night, Audrey. Here doing Tech Vibe Radio, the best thing in the world you can do on a Wednesday night. It's here about the best and the brightest Pittsburgh's tech sector. We've got two dudes right now that I cannot wait to jump into the conversation with, man. So, Audrey, you always ask people to introduce themselves. I'll ask them, guys, please introduce yourself. Brad, let's start with you. Yeah, hi, I'm Brad Riva. I'm the CTO of uh, Rimsys, and we're a regulatory information management company at B2B SaaS Solution, uh, specific for the med tech industry. And it's actually where James and I met. Um, I had started my career, I've been in the uh, IT industry for over 20 years in technology and medical device. Uh, James and I met working at uh, Phillips Respironics, common uh, household name around Pittsburgh yeah. area. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, so as our careers diverged, we, we came back together uh, to design and develop this product and uh, take it out to the world. And uh, James can talk about uh, himself as well. Uh, thanks, Brian. Yeah, so my name is James Janus, as a founder and president of Rimsys. Um, so we uh, created this company um, about two years ago, really, um, and really got into the market about a year ago. Um, so my background for the last 15 years has been in med tech. Started my career at Phillips Respironics, as Brad said, and, and met him there, um, and went on to uh, several startups around the, the Pittsburgh area, including um, you know, Circadians, Cohere Medical, um, and Carmel Therapeutics. You know those um, companies, man. You've been wow. around. Yeah. <laughs> so you uh, know a lot. What was the impetus for starting this company? Uh, you know, it was really about my personal experience and the, and the experience of my colleagues and managing the regulatory information that is really unmanageable in, this st in the current state of affairs. Um, you know, I, I've, I've known companies to manage this information on color-coded Excel spreadsheets. And these are, you know, this is critical information from a, from a med tech standpoint. I mean, it is um, critical in the sense of from a compliance standpoint. And at the end of the day, you know, if you don't get your products approved um, and you're not maintaining those licenses, that, it can have significant revenue impact for, for the companies as well. Mm -hmm. So you just decided after all that experience, you're going to take it into your own hands and you're going to create a B2B solution. Yeah, there just there there wasn't anything on the market, and I was I was sick of uh, you know googling and finding these companies that really stated that they wanted you know to, they they were focused on med tech, but at the end of the day their their workflows and it just wasn't it wasn't in their blood. It, you know it wasn't part of them, and so right. Um, but a lot was, of people yeah. don't know what med tech is. You're really talking about devices, right? Correct. Uh, medical devices, including in vitro diagnostic. Right. So a lot of people give people some examples of what the, what they might be yeah so yeah so common examples uh if you brush your teeth this morning a toothbrush um no, is a medical device yeah uh <laughs> uh well if this is your reminder then um then uh, uh, uh band-aids yeah yeah band-aids are medical devices um and all the way up through um, you know, ventilators um, or test kits for COVID-19, um, something to that effect. So I'm sure you're hearing a lot about that, uh, those types of devices on the market today. Just a little. Um, and yeah, just a little bit. So it really, it really, you know, spans the, the full breadth of, of, of devices, right? All the way from a toothbrush, yeah. all the way to a life-saving device. Like a, Never like thought a about the Band-Aid and toothbrush as being a device, but you're exactly right. Yeah. Yep. 
well, we talked to someone over at Pitt that's trying to create a, a vaccine that's like a Band-Aid that actually has little tentacles in it. Oh, that's interesting. On, like a Band-Aid. So I'm sure they have to go through their processes. So Absolutely. So people who are in startups and, and try to solve these big problems very often aren't, don't pay attention to process. I mean, I think that's what you discovered, James. So you said, I'm going to pull this together and I'm going to build a solution. So you talk about what some of those problems are. So, because I think they're applicable to lots of different industries that people can relate to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, startups, companies, they're cash strapped, they have limited resources. It's, and that's especially true in the regulatory world. Um, you know, 75% of all regulatory affairs professionals work on global matters. So think about that. If you're in a company, you're really responsible for trying to know and understand different workflows for basically every country in the world. So you're trying to get your products approved and you're supposed to be an expert in all that information and, and have all that knowledge really in the back of your mind, right? And that's just impossible for anybody. And so really this is about um, having this critical function um, be realized as a critical function, function right? It, it's finally, we're, we're, we're creating this solution from a company standpoint because there's so many stakeholders that touch the regulatory field in the, in, in, in the regulatory processes. And so we really built this from the ground up to support um, and enable the current workforce and, and really collaborate with, you know, the sales and marketing teams, the quality teams, the, the R&D teams and engineering teams and, and really bring all that information into a, a critical archive of, informa of information. So, I mean, it's always good to have systems like this, particularly when you're in startups and there's very often, you know, lots of turnover with staff. Mm -hmm. to provide some some continuity but what makes you guys the experts yeah it's a great question and one we get all the time right and so um we we've been <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know uh i think that's what really sets us apart is that when we created this right this was created by by regulatory affairs professionals by us by myself by brad by our colleagues um, for regulatory affairs professionals. And that, that's really important. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're not a pharma software solutions trying to come into the med tech workflow. Um, we built our solution to digitize and automate the workflows that you're already used to. Um, and that is significant um, from a efficiency standpoint, um, as well as just from a general collaboration um, uh, and uh, communication standpoint as well. Um, and so really what we did is we built our solution on the four pillars of regulatory affairs. It's really about um, digitizing and automating regulatory submissions. It's, it's about um, uh, eliminating wasteful actions um, such as inefficient manual disjointed paper-based processes um, and really increasing those, those compliance revenue risks. Um, we also manage standards, standards uh, which every med tech device um, has heartburn over. Uh, we manage uh, regulatory and government uh, um, templates, such as general safety performance requirements, which is a requirement for the EU, as well as pretty much the rest of the world. And really about the intelligence that we bring in, the information, the changes to the laws, the regulations and guidance documents that really is uh, coming into our system. So, yeah, there's yeah, a I lot. Think... I mean, the process for FDA approval, I mean, I know it varies based on the kind of device 
that it is, but it's not overnight. So you could be juggling a lot at the same time, right? Like if you're you're a company and and the tracking of this becomes uh, pretty critical in terms of the success of the product. So how has business been? What's been the response? It's been been huge. I think we've really (laughs) caught on significantly Uh, from companies that are in the startup phase and mid-size all the way up to the, uh, some major players, global market, uh, you know, leaders in the industry in med tech and in um, combination device as well as testing um, kits and IVD. So uh, really, no matter how large the company has been, it, it really seems to be a fit, as James said, because it's so specific, it's not some general purpose uh, software Right. Uh, they are the, the workflows and everything is designed to meet their needs. So that's so how, so are you hiring any people? Yeah, We know you got to be hiring. Come on. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so the team has been growing significantly. I actually brought on uh, three developers on uh, in the past quarter, uh, looking for right. some more help as well. We've been bringing on customer success so that we can continue onboarding the customers we have, as well as expanding the sales and marketing team. So, in all areas, uh, the company continues to grow. And, uh, you know, James and I have really focused a lot more on the team now. I think early on it was about the product and building uh, something that would make sure that answered all of the key needs for the device companies. And it's really this year, I think, been the focus about the team that makes it run. Well, this, is, this has been, you know, this is quite inspiring. Deep expertise on hard problems. Hopefully we can get some more med tech and medical device companies to solve hard problems in each of our lives. You're probably touching everything. And if anyone wants to know anything about your company, can you just tell them the website so that they can go there? Yeah, absolutely. The website's uh, www.rimsys.io. Um, you'll get some good information on there and you can see some of our customers. Great stuff. Only in Pittsburgh, Audrey, do we get such... No, it's so great because you know what? They're building on their competencies. They didn't go out and say, we're going to create something that we don't know anything about. You guys know the problems. It's really great. They were just like, we're doing this ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now they're hiring people (laughs) and they're helping solve some really tough problems. You guys are the best. Can't thank you enough for being part of Tech Vibe tonight, guys. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate it, guys. We're taking a break. We've got a ton more tech vibe coming right your way. It's coming at you like a freight train. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Tech Vibe Radio. Audrey, we are on Zoom. And how cool is it that like Zoom is opening an engineering office here in Pittsburgh? We're, oh, we're yeah. Found- we're going to know more about them uh, coming up. So we're pretty excited. And why not Pittsburgh and engineering office? Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I just love doing the show despite not being in the studio and using Zoom as a technology duo because we get the best, the brightest guests in Pittsburgh. And today we just keep that tradition rolling on. And it all comes down to what's happening at Komatsu, this big name. You see it all the time, but we don't always know exactly what they do. And we're going to learn more about that today. Very excited about it, Audrey. We are. So who do we have in the studio right now? If you guys want to make, introduce yourselves. Hey, guys. Yeah, sure thing. So, my, my name is Matt Bilstein. I'm a senior engineer with Komatsu. And uh, Phil, go ahead. I'm Phil Rosenstein. I'm a product manager in the control and automation group of Komatsu. Very cool. So talk about Komatsu, which many people know as Joy Mining. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, Komatsu is actually a century-old global company. Uh, we're a leader in manufacturer's supplier of earth-moving equipment, uh, construction, mining, forestry. But the underground business unit uh, is the Joy brand, and it was founded uh, back in 1919, actually, to, and brought mechanization to the underground mining industry, really set the stage for uh, what we all know today as modern mining. Uh, Joy became part of the Komatsu family via acquisition in 2017. Uh, and it, it allowed uh, Komatsu to really acquire an underground part of their portfolio to uh, compete against other big giants you hear in the industry like Caterpillar. So uh, Joy's, Joy's been around for 100 plus years. Like I said, 1919 was our founding, so we just recently celebrated our centennial. But uh, the Joy products, they've really built a brand reputation being second to none for reliability. Mm -hmm. uh, they're purpose-built machines, extremely highly advanced. Uh, and as far as the Western PA region, uh, we actually moved here shortly after Joy's founding. Uh, today, we've got nearly 1,000 employees in the region. Wow. And uh, Western PA continues to be our, our mining headquarters. So it's truly a global company, and uh, we've got facilities all over the world, but happy to be here in Western PA. We're glad you're here in Western PA. It's one of those things, it's kind of like this, like, I don't want to say it's the best kept secret, but it's just people I think often forget that there's, there's big old companies like you that are out there innovating and just doing some crazy cool work. Well, what, talk about the work a little bit. So tell us about what's actually going on there. So not everyone is familiar with what, you know, how important that equipment is and how you contribute to a lot in the supply chain. Yeah, so mining is a really interesting segment and not a lot of people know about it. Um, I'll talk a little bit about one of the areas uh, of our focus. Um, so our equipment is broken into really it's two product streams. Um, Matt's going to talk about one, I'll talk about the other. The first one I'll talk about is going to be room and pillar mining equipment. Um, room and pillar mining method is a method uh, of mineral extraction that's utilized predominantly um, in North America as well. There's other places globally that have it, um, but it's, it's done in a way that a mobile machine called a continuous miner uh, cuts a series of rooms um, and then leaves behind support pillars. So all the other equipment that's used to, to haul the equipment, convey or convey the mineral um, is mobile equipment as well. And when I say mobile, it's, it's non-capital. It's not on a track. Uh, it's rubber tires um, or crawlers. Um, and if you think of a continuous, or, sorry, if you think of a room pillar mine, um, think of it like a city grid. So the extracted mineral could be represented by roads and alleys, and the support pillars would be the city blocks. So our equipment that we produce for room and pillar mining uh, includes everything from the continuous miner, uh, which is a significant portion um, of our business, and it also has about 90% of the market share globally for continuous miners. That's the primary extraction machine. Uh, we have haulage equipment that we produce to haul the material from the extraction point, or the face as we call it, um, to a point where it gets crushed. We, we also produce the feeder breaker, which crushes and sizes the material. And then we have conveyors uh, that we produce that can convey the material to surface. Um, in the recent years, we've begun, we've begun the journey of automating all of this. Yeah, um, and I'll talk a little bit about that. Again. Absolutely, yeah, that's cool. And I'll let Matt give a little overview on the long wall side, because uh, it's a little bit different. Yeah, sure thing. The, the long wall mining, it's the other, the other half of the business, essentially, but it's a different mining method. Uh, it's a continuous extraction method where we take a very large mineral block, typically a thousand feet wide by tens of thousands of feet long. And then we, we temporarily, temporarily support the roof uh, as we, we extract that and then advance. And, and the, act, the roof actually 
caves in behind us to fill the void that we're mining out. So basically, this, this method of mining allows a near 100% mineral extraction. So Joy's got a full suite of equipment that makes up a long wall system. Uh, the first is the, the roof supports. Uh, they're automated machines that temporarily, temporarily support the roof during the extraction. And then they advance forward as the extraction occurs. Um, e each roof support is uh, roughly six feet wide. An average face has 250, 200 supports, so it's quite a wide face. Huh. And then each one of these supports is connected to a piece of armored face conveyor. And then these, the, the conveyor makes up the, the conveying portion of the system and spans the entire long wall. So as the material's mined, it falls down onto the conveyor and is conveyed out to the crusher and stage loader, the other two pieces of the equipment that make up the conveying portion. The crusher just sizes the material down to where the mine belt can handle it. And then the stage loader actually uh, loads the material onto the rubber mine belt. And then the last piece of the puzzle is the cutting machine. It's called a long wall shear. It's got two articulating arms and two cutting drums uh, that, that shear or cut off the, the material off the mineral face. And as, as it does so, it can no longer reach the mineral. So the, the roof supports then have to push the conveyor forward to advance the system forward. So it's, uh, it's a fully automated long wall face. Um, it, our, our automation systems allow extraction to to happen with limited personnel or no personnel in the immediate vicinity. We're trying, one of our big drivers underground is safety. So we're trying to get the guys away from the, the, the cutting itself, the dust and the hazards. So whether it be via camera feed or just, uh, you know, less personnel close to the machine. And all the equipment's electric or battery powered. It's uh, fully computer controlled and uh, built on a pretty data centric architecture. And that data, it provides critical information to the operators underground as well as the mine management on site. So it's pretty automated, meaning autonomous, or is it semi-autonomous, Matt? Yeah, that it's. It, I would I would call it semi-autonomous. The, mm -hmm. the the machine will automatically tram, automatically cut, automatically traverse the face. But the one piece of the puzzle we currently are missing underground is seam detection. So knowing where that mineral face and oh, the rock, right. the rock band did right. diverge. So that's that's mm -hmm. one of the key. Key points right now that is keeping us from being fully autonomous. That sensor just doesn't quite exist yet. Right, right. So what kinds of skills do, does someone need to help actually monitor and work that, that device or that piece of equipment? Um, as, as far as the skill set, um, the, the underground operators, they're, they're very knowledgeable as far as listening to, to what sounds the machine's making in order to actually tell the machine where the coal face is as it's mining. Mm -hmm. um, are, are you talking more the, the, the data analytics as well? Is that Well, talk about the whole suite. I think that's the piece that's really interesting, is that I think people might not understand the skill set, the competencies, and in many ways, you're allowing people to be further away from the actual um, mining, but the sophistication of the skill set is quite interesting. That's really what I'm getting at. So it's everything from data analytics to, you know, um, processing. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Do you want to touch on that the, yeah. the, as far as the sensors and what, yeah, what we I mean, use that's, underground? That's, yeah, that's really, that's, it's really interesting you ask that question because traditionally the mining industry is very technology averse. Right. Um, had a lot of old school guys that were working underground and, and they didn't want anything automated. They didn't want anything computerized. They right. didn't want anything that told them what to do or how to do it. They wanted to do it themselves and they were the That's best right. they did. 
but in the last decade or so, we've seen a, a huge um, group of those people retiring. And we've got a lot of new people coming in, young people that have uh, grown up with technology, young people that have education um, in STEM areas. And uh, these people are looking for how can they incorporate technology into their mining application. Um, and that's really a, a journey that we've right. been on now in recent years. And, and we've really made some huge strides um, across the board in both product streams into getting to automated and eventually autonomous solutions that these people can work with. I know it's exciting, isn't it? The kind of shift. Fascinating. So what's, your, what's your background, Phil and Matt? Just tell everyone. Like, what's your, did you go to college? Did you get a degree in something? Yeah, I, yeah. I was. Uh, I, I actually was hired by by well, it was Joy at the time, not Komatsu quite yet. It was 15 years ago when I graduated school, but hired directly out of college. But I was a software engineering student at uh, Slippery Rock University, actually. Awesome. Really awesome. And what about you, Phil? Yeah, so I went to school for an electrical engineering degree. Um, I graduated 10 years ago and started with Joy at the time 10 years ago. Um, wow. And, and that's, that's something that makes us unique as a company is our retention is just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. our, we've got a lot of workforce. They, they've been here 30, 40 years. That's great. I mean, I know yeah, we only have a couple incredible. more minutes. What's the website if people are listening? I love this piece of technology that's really critical to the business. What's the website and are you hiring? Yeah, so um, our, our website is is kind of an interesting one because we have a, <laughs> a non-top, or we have our own top-level domain, I should say, um, www.mining.kamatsu. Um, okay. Yes, we are looking for people in the in Pittsburgh area, but you know, be for people that could also uh, traverse the globe as well. Um, they're looking for new challenges, uh, people that have data skill sets, engineering, uh, software development, and experience in automation um, as we integrate new automation technologies. Absolutely. We're looking to build. Yeah, that's one thing I'll add. Sorry, Phil. I was just going to add in as well, just to make sure that they check out our YouTube channel, uh, Komatsu Mining YouTube oh, channel. There's yeah. some oh, that's a great, idea. great resources there that, that yeah. kind of explain what we've been talking about. It's, it's difficult to, to visually picture. Yeah, and I'll just echo what Phil said. I mean, our, it, it's one of, one of the things that really makes me excited to work for Joy and Komatsu is the, the challenges, the problem solving. I'm, I'm not one that likes the same cookie cutter job every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm excited by something that pushes my, my skill set and pushes me to actually go out and talk to the customer. I feel like anybody who's out in the field seeing our equipment operate is just capable of doing their job better. So Absolutely. you get to actually communicate with the customer, understand their challenges, and then be right there to help solve them and then, then roll them back out in the field. It's a, it's a great place to work. It really is. Great. Matt and Phil, I can't thank you enough for stopping yeah, by. Thanks so much. We at a time like this, because I think what you're doing is so amazing. I mean, people don't realize just how important mining is to how we live our lives. And you guys are making it safer. Yeah. You know, automation, leading edge technology, all that stuff comes together. And that's happening here in Pittsburgh. What an awesome story. So we got to take a break. We're coming back with more Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsten. And this is Audrey Russo. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. So, Audrey, we're back here for our last segment on Tech Vibe Radio tonight. I think we have one of your favorite people here. He's a really <laughs> no, I think yes. so, too. Audrey, you were, so like, too. you were like, Jonathan, you got to get Andy Walsh back on the show because <laughs> this guy is up to date by the second as to all things virology and what's going on with COVID-19. And 
we got so many questions to ask Annie because so much has changed and we want to know what hasn't changed. I know, within like a month or six weeks, Andy. So welcome Andy Walsh from Health Monitoring Systems back on the show, part two of Andy. But welcome back. But before we even start into some of our questions as we move into this yellow um, zone and the protocols tied to that, just tell everyone what Health Monitoring Systems is and just a little bit about your background so they know why we value you so much. Exactly. Sure, yeah, thanks for having me back. So uh, my background, I did a PhD in the molecular biology of infectious diseases uh, at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. The department was focused on molecular biology and I got a lot of uh, training in that, but I also transitioned into more of a statistical ecology of infectious diseases. And so I studied more on mathematical modeling and statistics of how diseases spread uh, then did a, a postdoc in the evolution, uh, computational evolution of viruses, and uh, studying that through uh, with computational techniques. And then I've been working for health monitoring for over 10 years. Uh, health monitoring is a public health uh, software company. So we provide a service to public health departments whereby we collect uh, healthcare data for them on their behalf, uh, anonymized healthcare data about who's going to the emergency department or who the, to the physician's office, what they're there for, and how many numbers. So if you have a fever and shortness of breath and you go to the emergency department because you're concerned about uh, COVID-19, then we get that data about why you're there and we let the uh, health department know about that and and they can use our software to detect uh, potentially increases of of things like visits for fever or or shortness of breath in their area and follow up to see what might be causing that or or to to be able to get in touch with the hospitals and the patients and so forth. Um, So we're using you know, statistical methods to, to track that. We're, you know, trying to use, uh, you know, big data approaches to collecting uh, large volumes of data and manage that on behalf of the health departments and to try to keep them up to date uh, in real time on what's going on in their areas. Well, uh, your work, even over the past 10 years, was relevant, particularly in opioids and all the related. But right now, you really are someone whose wisdom I highly covet. And I think just in terms of your experience and your practicality, as we've moved into what um, Pennsylvania has deemed one of their criteria for re-entry into the community, it's no longer red, Allegheny County and a couple of other counties around us are now in yellow. So, you know, with your experience, and we'll go into sort of explaining a virus and, and some of the epidemics, Talk, can we talk a little bit about, as you just sort of unravel this, about what it means to be in yellow and, and what does it mean for the future in ter- and what you speculate in terms of us ever going into a green state? Will we ever be green, please? <laughs> yeah, other than your background, John. We want to know. So, Andy, do you want to sort of, I gave that as a lead in for you to take, take yeah, on. Yeah, sure. So, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the, the governor's office and the you know, health department will have the, the best, uh, most up-to-date information. Uh, so just sort of speaking generally about yes. uh, how to understand all of this. You know, so there's clearly a balance between the cost of having everyone stay at home, the economic cost and the health cost. There are, you know, mental health considerations. There are health considerations. We, you know, we see emergency department data at health monitoring. And, you know, about a month or six weeks ago, we saw emergency department visits go down by 50% uh, across all the hospitals that we look Mm. at. And pretty much in every category, 
that you might you might imagine for for visits, including things like chest pain. Uh, right. And are there fewer heart attacks all of a sudden? Right. So it's unlikely that there are fewer people suffering heart attacks. Uh, it seems like there must be people who maybe had less severe symptoms and might have previously gone to the emergency department but chose to stay home to avoid uh, risk of contamination, uh, risk of infection. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what everybody is doing and, and why that is, but we, you know, we can see that people are not going to the emergency department, and so, you know, that's a that's a concern, right? We don't want those people who you know who really need that emergency medical care uh, to to get that. So there, you know, there are balances, and there was nothing preventing you from going in the first place, but that's more of a personal behavioral choice. People, you know weighing those risks. So, you know, it's not like you're required to stay home even under the red restrictions. Um, but there are, you know, there are costs, both economic and health costs to, and social costs to everybody staying at home. And so we're trying to balance that as the number of cases in Allegheny County, the number of new cases per day has come down over time because of the mitigation efforts that we've done to reduce the spread. And in, in other parts of the state as well, in other parts of the country, they're seeing uh, that. Not not everywhere, but in many parts of the country, they're seeing uh, those mitigation efforts bring numbers down. And so people are starting to think about how do we get back to some of these other things that we do on a regular basis. Uh, and so that's where the you know the yellow restrictions come in is a sort of a, a balance between the severe restrictions of the of the red uh, phases and you know going back to completely the way things were before all this back in you know January or, or in 2019. And so there's still very much a risk of spread. There are still people in Allegheny County and surrounding areas who are actively infected with the virus. And so there is a risk of transmission. There's ongoing community transmission. Um, and so we still want to be wearing masks uh, when we're outside of our house as much as possible. Um, we want to be you know, practicing that social distancing, keeping that six feet between people when we're out uh, in public spaces and outside. Um, washing our hands and not touching our face and all those good things are all still important and relevant. Um, but, you know, there's some allowance for, you know, getting together in, in smaller groups and opening up some more kinds of businesses uh, with the appropriate measures in place to also keep those business uh, places safe. Uh, so you'll see, you know, fewer people allowed in. You'll see, you know, more spacing in, in aisles and and so forth. More businesses still relying on curbside delivery and pickup and kinds of things. So instead of going into the store, you can call ahead or order ahead online and, and pick things up. All those things are helping to reduce how much time we spend in close proximity to each other to reduce the spread of the virus. Because, you know, the estimates are that only about maybe five, maybe as much as 10% of people have been exposed to the virus so far. So that's 90 to 95% of us don't have any kind of natural immunity to this. We're still at risk that if we run into somebody who's infected, that we're going to get infected and we could get sick. And so there's still a great potential for spread. Uh, even the reason why the cases are coming down are because of these mitigation efforts that we've employed. And so we're still going to need some amount of them going forward. How close to a vaccine at this point? Yeah, that is a great question. We are still a ways away from a vaccine. So there's a lot of cool science that has been done over the past decade to help speed up the vaccine development process. And so we can skip a lot of the early steps uh, that used to take a long time to figure out like how, how do we grow this virus in large quantities so that we can make a vaccine? And can we develop an animal model? How do we find the right animal model to see if uh, our vaccine candidates are effective in these animal models? That, those uh, steps could take a long time. Now through um, molecular bi biology techniques, we can engineer mice to have human genes so that they're able to be infected directly with human pathogens, uh, regardless of whether they had any natural susceptibility to them. We can engineer uh, viruses that are not uh, 
clinically uh, problematic, like the, the, the measles virus that we use for the measles vaccine. So it's been, uh, that measles virus strain has been modified so it doesn't cause the measles and we can use it in the vaccine. We can put other uh, proteins, other genes for other proteins into that measles virus and get it to make uh, proteins for vaccines for things like this. So that is one of the approaches that some uh, places are taking where other viruses like adenoviruses that, that don't cause uh, human disease, we can use them to grow uh, proteins from this uh, coronavirus in large quantities to make the vaccine. So instead of taking months or years, those steps have been reduced to weeks because uh, those that work had already been done. So we're already up to a, a really uh, advanced step in the process. Historically speaking, it would have taken us months or years to get to the point where we are now, which is that there are already several vaccine candidates uh, that are in the first stages of clinical trials. Those first stages of clinical trials are looking to see, does the vaccine cause an immune response that is robust? Can we see antibodies against the virus in the person's blood a couple of weeks after we've given them the vaccine? And do those people not have negative side effects, right? What, what kinds of reactions do people have to getting this vaccine? Are those manageable? You know, there's always gonna be a certain amount of people who will have some kind of local redness or irritation from an injection, for example. But uh, we wanna make sure that that's the, you know, the extent of the kinds of, of reactions people have. So that's that first stage of clinical trials. There's two other stages after that. Uh, the second is usually a small scale efficacy trial. I wanna make sure that not only does it not cause bad reactions, but that it does protect you from infection. And then uh, the third stage is a large scale efficacy trial. Uh, and so you know, those are important steps because we wanna make sure that the vaccine is safe and effective. And so that's what takes some time to do. And that's where we are in the process. And so it's gonna be months uh, still probably the end of this year, beginning of next year, before we'll be getting data from those third stage trials to know whether the vaccines are effective or not. So Andy, we only have a few more, more minutes left and I just wanna talk about going to yellow. Should we expect that no matter what the precautions are and, and that we're going to see a surge? I don't know about a surge necessarily. We're going to potentially see case numbers go up again or, or in, uh, we may not continue to see the decline that we have been seeing. Right. Right? It may stay level. Uh, it may go up a little bit. We may not see a big spike. It, you know, it all depends on what people do. It's, it's highly dependent on human behavior and human but choices. What's your advice to wrap this up right now? So let's say you are our friend and you are saying to us, <laughs> here's what you need to be doing each and every day. Yeah, so for the folks who can still you know, work from home, uh, as the recommendations say, you know, I think that's a good idea. Our company uh, is continuing to work from home um, so that we are not getting out as much, uh, you know, as much online shopping and, and sort of uh, picking up with things that you can do instead of going into stores and interacting with folks in that way. Uh, you know, that's a great idea. Keep washing those hands, wear those masks when we're out and around other people. Um, and just, you know, think, you still want to think prudently about, is this a necessary trip? And sometimes they will be. And, and you know, I don't think you know, it means that the answer always has to be no, um, both for, you know, practical reasons and, and social reasons. We all need uh, both of those things. Um, but we still need to be thinking very carefully about, is this, uh, is this a, a worthwhile and necessary uh, reason to get out and, and around other people? So we're going to keep track of you yes. because you're doing important work. Thank you. Health Monitoring Systems, thank you, Andy Walsh, who's the chief scientist there and highly experienced and knowledgeable in all things related to viruses. And we appreciate your work 
and uh, we will touch base with your advice from time to time. What's the website? Give everyone the website of your of the company. Sure. Uh, it's health-monitoring.com. Okay. Excellent. Um, you know, there's not a lot for uh, the public out there. It's mostly for our public health customers, but people mm -hmm. can check it out. But Very just cool. give everyone a sense of the work that you're doing and for everyone just to be supportive. So thank you so much, Andy. This is Audrey Russo. This is Jonathan Kirsten. And thanks for tuning in tonight to Tech Vibe Radio. Learn more about the Tech Council at pghtech.org. Andy, thanks so much for giving us the latest and greatest. You're the best. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.